Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. And now it's time for Kevin McPherson, Mr. Hoop Scoop. And so, you know, I could ask you a bunch of questions. Ray could ask you a bunch of questions. But I guess we just ought to say what's new because you usually have something. What do you got? Well, you know, we're not – we're still on hold. We're in freeze mode uh, <laughs> when we start talking about Arkansas filling those last two scholarships. But it's very interesting what's going on this week in the NBA Combine. Okay. Uh, because I think that impacts Arkansas not only from a branding standpoint, having four players in this draft combine all week long, lots of publicity, lots of television, national TV eyes as the week plays out, uh, but also because Jordan Wallace is one of the four hogs in it. Now, Arkansas has four players, one of only two schools to have as many as four. Uh, that obviously goes toward that branding, a lot of stuff going on there. And then you want your players to do well. And I think when it comes to Jordan Wallace, one of the two hogs who declared for the draft, uh, Devo Davis being the other, not invited, not taking part in either the G League elite camps last combine that was done over the weekend or the current combine. Uh, but with the Walsh and Devo as the only two of five uh, that went into that draft that could potentially come back because they left the door open, we're learning more and more about Jordan Walsh. And I've been saying all along that I personally think he'll stay in, but this draft combine workouts leading up to the draft are going to really point him in a direction. And he, so far, the first two days, guys, when you start looking at measurables, uh, when, you, when you look at agility, uh, when you look at you know, just what he's done in shooting drills, he has really helped himself. And I go back to an article I wrote a few weeks ago, kind of as a lead-up of all five of these guys kind of setting some, you know, high-water marks and benchmarks for a program. Really, you have to go back to that, you know, 92 when it was Todd Day, Lee Mayberry, Oliver Miller, and Butch Morris, who were all in the same draft, three of those in the first round. But I was the article was kind of about how this would be that next group to kind of help make some of that Arkansas history in terms of NBA draft. But I had a panel of scouts I talked to at the NBA, and at the time the mock drafts and the scouts were talking about Jordan Walsh as being in that mid to late second round. But one of the scouts told me if he has a strong combine, this is a player I can see he's very intriguing moving up to the back end of the first round. And right now the the five-on-five competition hasn't happened yet. That's Wednesday and Thursday. But I want to go through some of these numbers. I want to get your thoughts because I think Jordan Walsh has not only helped himself, but I think this probably helps answer Razorback fans, you know, can, uh, you know, wondering: Is he on the fence? Is he going to come back? I think at this point, he has the odds have gone up that he stays in the draft just based on these first two days of the combine. You're probably right, and yeah, his measurables are very good. It's interesting because Trey Biddy makes this case all the time that. Uh, measurables don't turn out to be when the pros do it what they are at the U of A, and yet uh, it was Walsh and Anthony Black. They're they're measuring with no shoes on, okay, but they're within an inch and a half of their advertised height at six seven. If you put shoes on, they are six seven, wingspan, all those kind of things. Now, how about Nick Smith Jr. Because when they were publishing measurables, they didn't have any of his. Did he go through that yesterday? No, Nick Smith Jr. is going through the interview process, which, by the way, he and Anthony Black were two of 25 players, and there's nearly 90 there, two of 25 players to be selected for NBA TV, uh, the NBA and partnership with NBA TV, doing these pre-draft interviews. And those, those are typically run up. At some point, they'll start showing those 
as a lead-up to the draft, which is in late June, kind of featuring some players. So they they, they picked 25 out of 90-ish. You know, some of those guys they picked, though, are, are, are considered maybe long shots or underdogs, several of them lottery and first-rounders. But, I, you know, I think Nick Smith Jr. is obviously a projected first-round pick. Uh, but he's going through interviews. Now, they'll have interviews with teams as well, um, but, but not doing the other stuff. But I wanted to get to both Black and Walsh. I started talking about Walsh, guys. Uh, and, and, you know, just looking at some of the measurables, uh, you know, he was eighth overall in the standing vertical, 33 inches, 36 for Max Burt, so you get a running start on that. That's top 25, but what that standing vert is interesting to me because, you know, one thing I remember about Jordan Walsh, he did not need a runway to get up and battle for offensive or defensive rebounds. Seems like in traffic, he was one of those guys that would go out and get the ball, and, and that you know, just that part of the testing at the combine kind of tells me, you know, kind of reinforces what my eye test was telling me through the season. Uh, but he was 10th overall in the lane agility, 10.83 seconds, um, you know, third in hand length among small forwards at, with eight and three quarters, uh, eight, eight, eight and three quarters inches. Um, you know, I look at his weight at 204. That was, you know, you know that ranked well when he looked at players that are projected as small forward. So he's slender build. He's going to add weight to that frame. But really what was elite was his wingspan. We knew that. Um, but over 7-1, nearly 7-2, that was second among players at his position, 10th overall when you when include power forwards and centers who are taller. Uh, you mentioned his height, Rick, but his standing reach when he had that wingspan, 8-11, that was first among small forwards. So, his measurables, but the shooting, the shooting drills. Now, look, these are unde- these are not defended, but he did three-point shooting. He's the only hog that went through three-point shooting drills and did well, 12 of 25 for 48%. Um, and then, you know, he was, you know, top five or so in a couple other shooting drills relative to his position. And I think that's the biggest thing with Jordan Walls. He's always projected as a 3-and-D player at the next level. He's not a shot creator. You know, he – He's still learning how to how to put the ball in the deck and take his first step. He gets whistled for traveling a lot on his first step. He's not a guy that's going to get into drive mode and create a lot of shots. But 3 and D at the NBA level with the floor space, you want a guy that's a specialist on defense. That's what he is. He started showing late in the year, even though he had a propensity for fouling, getting better and better defensively, especially against marquee players in the NCAA tournament. And we saw it throughout the year at times. Uh, but just the fact that his shot always looked good, even though he didn't shoot a high percentage. And I think that some of this drill work maybe shows that he's progressing and these NBA teams, when, when he gets in and starts to grow as a player, that's something that he can be a competent three-point shooter when the floor space, because he's never going to be more than a fourth or fifth scoring option when he's on the floor, whether that's as a starter at some point or a second unit in the NBA. Very good. Good report on him. Let's let's go back because I man, I'm not quite sure I understand. I know he's going through interviews, but why no measurables on Nick Smith Jr.? Well, players can. It's it's kind of like a buffet. Uh, that's what the combine. Now that's going to change. The <laughs> so he can say he doesn't want to, he doesn't want his height and weight. I mean, what what would be the deal on that? Well, those things have players have done this in the past, and those those can be done with individual workouts with teams. Some players. Uh, you know, more and more, though, the NBA is moving toward the draft combine kind of being, the, you know, the biggest factor. And in some ways it is. And, in fact, the NBA's collective bargaining agreement uh, moving forward, and I think starts next year, players are going to have to, if they want to participate in the combine, 
they're going to have to take part. In, I don't know if, if it's everything or or a high percentage of the things that are offered. And there's also some talk about their draft status being affected if they don't. So that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I need to read more on that. But we're talking about this year. And this year, you know, he's not the only player, uh, uh, you know, that's skipping a lot of or most of. So he's going through interview processes. I was told that would be the case weeks ago, and certainly it's playing out that way. You know, Jordan Wallace, I've talked so much about him, but Anthony Black, guys, I mean, this guy is a lottery-projected player. I think now, especially early on, and really his combine is going to come down to interviews too now because he's not going to participate in five-on-five that starts tomorrow. Uh, Jordan Wallace and Anthony Black, or excuse me, rookie counsel the fourth wheel, but Anthony Black, when I look at his 39-inch vertical leap, Max Burt, that was sixth overall, the tops among the hogs, uh, but 13th in the standing vert at 32. But when I look at his measurables for a point guard, he's elite. Uh, first in height among point guards, six, six, five and three quarters without shoes. Third in wingspan, six and, and three quarters. First in standing reach at eight and point six five, uh, eight feet six in in. Uh, 8.65 feet, I guess, is the way they broke it down. They didn't put it in inches on the on the second part of that. Uh, but he, but everything, his weight at 210, second among point guards. So we know he's not a skill guy. He did not go through shooting drills, which I think is smart. No shooting drills, no five-on-five. Five. That's not his forte. What, what they've done is they've let him go through and get these measurables and agility testing, which he did well with. And I think what it shows is this is a big lead point guard that's going to be able to play in similar fashion, maybe to a guy like Josh Giddey at Oklahoma City, uh, who was taken in the lottery uh, two years ago uh, out of Australia. Very young player, as is Anthony Black, just just had a freshman season, but a guy that can use that frame and skill level and floor IQ to kind of dictate to get to his spots. Now, Anthony Black's going to have to develop some pet moves and finishing shots. He doesn't have that right now, but those are things he can develop. But I think because of what he's done in this combine, just in terms of measurables, and agility testing, along with, I think he's going to kill it in interviews. I think he's going to knock interviews out of the park. I think this guy's not only a lottery pick, I think he's positioning himself to inch closer to that top five, top six when the draft comes in late June. Kevin, yeah. I, I've got one question for you. Nick Smith's knee, is it still a concern? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I, I think he's going to be part of this process working out and, and doing workouts with teams. You know, they're going to, the, the NBA has doctors. Uh, these teams have doctors. They look at these things, and so they're going to take a close look at that. I'm not in a place to comment on that, other than I know he started working extremely hard to prepare for this process and prepare for the draft just days after Arkansas season ended. He was the first player uh, out of the Hogs that you know said they were going to go in the draft. We knew he would, but he was the first to formally put an announcement out. It was within days of the end of the season in March. So uh, he's been putting in a lot of work. You know, the hope is that his knee's where it needs to be to stand up to not only the medical testing, but make teams confident if they select him. Uh, but that's not something either way that I really have enough information to say. Okay, well, we're going to be asking Hoop Scoop for some more information that he does have, I'm sure. Ray Tucker, Rick Schaefer, we've got Kevin Hoop Scoop McPherson with us right now. So, Kevin, before we get to Ricky Council at the... Um, NBA Combine, let's talk about what you said earlier about scholarships uh, shaping up. Devo Davis not invited. Do you expect Devo Davis to be a Razorback next year now? Well, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for weeks on on this segment that I believe at at one time I thought he was going to 
it was more likely he would not come back. I think it's more likely that he will, and as each day goes by, I believe that more and more now, I think we're going to have to wait till the end of the month. Uh, I think he's going to go through the entire process, and I think that's smart, actually, uh, because Arkansas's got a spot for him, and he'll have a spot. Um, they've got two openings right now, and I, I think he ends up landing with one of those, but we'll see. Uh, right now, you know, all of this is fluid based on opportunities that pop up, um, and you just never know what he, you know, what might get him to turn his eye back to the league, you know, to the pro opportunities. But I do think Debo will be back. I think now more than I have, even more than I have, and I've consistently said I think Jordan Walsh will stay in. Uh, but I think even more so now. Now we've got two days of five-on-five competition that he and, and Ricky Council are going to have. Uh, Ricky Council the fourth because they're both going to participate in the scrimmaging the next two days. I didn't really go through a lot with Ricky. Um, and, and, you know, you know he's done some good things in this, you know, so far. You know, his, um, you know, his shuttle time was uh, in the top ten. He ranked eighth in that 3.12 seconds. Uh, you might be surprised a little bit that his, his standing vert, 30 and a half inches, was actually, you know, not as good as Jordan yeah. Walsh or Anthony Black. Yeah. His max bird at 37 inches, uh, that was 13th, so that's not bad. But a guy at 208, you know, he's strong. I think the one thing that stands out to me when I look at this, how they've listed him in the draft combine, guys, they're listing him as a small forward, a wing, basically a wing. And I think that's going to be problematic potentially for him. At 6'5", that's his measurement without shoes. So he does come in around 6'6", the height they list him in college. Um, but But he's... You know, to, to play that wing spot, um, when I look at his wingspan at 6'9", that's good relative to his height. So he, he's got some stuff that helps him to weight, I think, some of that. Um, but, I, but I always thought he might be slotted as a shooting guard. Well, he hasn't gone through any of the three-point distance shooting drills. He skipped that. That's not his game. He did go through some of the college-level shooting drills and finished toward the bottom of the players who participated in each one of those. So he didn't do well in any of the shooting so this is a guy that's going to have to then, if he's going to play a wing at the next level at that size, at that height, the wingspan helps him. The weight, I think, helps him be strong, but everybody's strong at the next level. But I think the other thing is he's got to fully buy in to being as good as he can defensively. Um, and that was something that was very hit and miss at Arkansas. And I don't think it was – I think it was mostly miss his first two years at Wichita State. That's where he's going to have to be, I think, really dig in and really be good. To, to build value for himself. But if I were ranking the prospects right now, I'd have Anthony Black, Nick Smith Jr., Jordan Walsh, and Ricky Council the fourth, the fourth out of that group as far as my personal opinion so far. Again, five-on-five five, uh, could reveal some things about Ricky and Jordan. Uh, you know, should we, some of the stuff that we've seen already, and, and but also uh, we may learn more about, because they've been preparing for this, and the program's different. So I'm interested to see what have they improved on. You know, it's very limited uh, court time, so there may not be a whole lot to glean from it, but I can't wait to see it. Okay, so if Devo Davis is the number 12 scholarship guy, is Ron Holland the number 13? Well, I think Arkansas would love for that to be the case, and they're just in waiting, waiting, they're in, you know, in the holding pattern like everybody else. And uh, I've been saying I love Arkansas's chances. I haven't hedged from that. I have heard guys that he may consider taking other visits. Uh, a couple of schools that I was asked not to bring up, so I won't, but that's, there's a potential for that. Um, you know, he's still waiting on his letter of intent release from Texas. 
He has 30 days from the day that he formally requested that release to petition the NCAA, so he has to give Texas 30 days to do it. It looks to me like, I mean, we're already in week three of the process because he requested it on April 28th. Uh, so we're in the third week of that, you know, wait-and-see process. So, you know, the end of the month, whether it's getting out of that draft, uh, getting out of the draft to come back, May 31st deadline, if April 28th was the day that Ron Holland requested his release, if Texas takes every minute of that before letting him out of it, that's at the end of the month. If they don't, he's then got to petition the NCAA, and it adds more time to it. But to answer your question, Rick, with those two names, to me, those are the biggest names on the board right now for Arkansas, Devo Davis and Ron Holland. Um, and, and there's other options out there as well, but those, to me, are the two top names to fill those two positions. Do you think that Texas thinks there's some, even if there's a 1% chance they can get still get Holland to stay, is that why they're holding up this process? Because there's nothing to be gained. And if let's say they don't give him his release and he has to petition the NCAA, don't you think that will be a major detriment to their future recruiting on five-star players? PR nightmare. A- absolutely. Absolutely. This is unheard of now. It really is. Typically when these things are requested, uh, they're granted. And supposedly the word is Texas is going through a process to make sure there was no tampering. Uh, are they kidding? Are they kidding? Is, are, is that program kidding? Every school is tampered. The, the, what do you think the portal <laughs> process is? Every school's got feelers out on players before they go in the portal. Yeah. That doesn't make it right. right. Um, and certainly Texas had a coaching change, which is the easiest validation for a player to want to get a release out of it. Uh, I don't think there's much they can do there other than to try to drag it out and, like you said, maybe behind the scenes try to figure out some way to keep him while they have time, while he has to wait. Uh, but I don't know about the tampering thing. I don't know what they can really do there or if that's just an excuse to drag it out to see if they can put it together a way to keep him. Even if they found tampering, let's say Texas A&M tampered. Well, so what? I mean, the, the guy still doesn't want to go there. So what what does that prove? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, what kind of smoking gun would you have to have to really pr- prove that? And even if you do, if he doesn't want to go there, he's not going to play for you anyway. This is bad optics. And even saying that they just want to make sure everything, that's bad optics because it's clear. Most people see it. They're they're drawing this out, and uh, maybe they're, you know, it's sour grapes a little bit, but it doesn't look good, and it looks more like that than anything else while they try to figure out a way to keep him. But they had plenty of time to figure that out um, after they had a coaching change and everything else. Uh, but there are other players leaving that program, and that was also part of why he's ready to go. I think he, the players he thought he was coming in with are no longer in play. Uh, one of those players has opted for the pro route. Other players have transferred out. And so, you know, I, that factors into it as well. But the coaching change the biggest reason. And I think uh, Texas, you know, it's, to me it's pretty transparent that they're, you know, they're not trying to prove tampering. They're just trying to figure out a way to keep him delayed. Sour grapes, it's not a good look. Okay, so we only got about a minute left, so I'll try and phrase this quickly. We've talked about how ridiculous it is to say an NIL would cover a scholarship. But let's say they doesn't get out of the letter and the NCAA doesn't let him out. He could go to another school and they could NIL him and just make it a lucrative enough to pay for his education, couldn't they? Well, and I, well, first of all, we don't even need to go there with this because I'll That's tell you why. 
the NCAA can't hold him up. They would be the they would be sued. That'd be an even worse look than NCAA. Yeah. Now they, they lose could, in the case. old days. Yeah. They might make a guy sit out and let him out, but I don't even think that would happen here because of the one-time transfer rule. Even though this isn't yeah. a transfer, it would be bad off. The NCAA would just be bringing its own house down even worse than it has in previous stuff. It wouldn't be hard to get that turned around with a suit. You're probably right. And as I mentioned there, not to interrupt you, but the NCAA's record in lawsuits is really, really bad. In fact, I think, uh, what's the guy's name, Hamilton, that lost all the cases to Perry Mason, I think he must be on their legal staff. <laughs> right. Right. They, well, and, well, if you think about it, NCAA rules are not necessarily law reflected, you know, and um, and I think that's why we see a lot of stuff now favoring players more and more. I, I just don't think it's going to come to that. But, man, if Texas takes it to that, that's that's really bad recruiting. I mean, that's going to set them back. That will set that. And Arkansas is recruiting so well out of Texas right now. I mean, that's, you know, Trey Johnson, the number one player in the 2024 yeah. class. Arkansas yeah. in his final six. Yeah. Uh, Baylor and Texas. But, I mean, you're in there. But that won't look good to anybody. All right, Kevin, well, thank you very much for an informative half hour. We will see you again on Friday. That's Thanks, Kevin Jeff. McPherson.